Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you. You can text Rock Up KC to 816-307-1611 for a connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockupkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, church. Welcome to the building. Welcome online. It's <clears throat> uh, no place like home. I had some ruby red slippers. I'd, I'd cook. Uh, I'd uh, click them back and forth. I realized I wouldn't end up in Kansas, but on the Missouri side. But uh, we're all family. <clears throat> it's uh, good to be back uh, with you. Uh, many of you know that I, I got hit by that locomotive spawn of Satan, COVID. Uh, whether it's man-made or whether it's natural, I know it's from the pit of hell, and I'm going to send it back there and let no one else get it and lock the key in the door and throw it away and keep it there. Amen? Uh, praise God. I want to thank everyone for your uh, prayers. I literally believe I've stayed out of the hospital. Um, my oxygen levels never dip below 90 except a couple times. And so uh, I honestly just want to say thank you. My wife and I both got hit with it. Um, honestly believe that the intercession, the prayers, the love, the care, concern, it's just been amazing uh, to be taken care of by this body. Uh, brother showing up and just mowing my lawn. I mean, just little things like that. I'm not the type of person who likes to be served. I like to do the serving. Uh, but you have to kind of know when you need your hands held up. And uh, there's a song that says, uh, stop holding on and just be held. And so there's wisdom in that. There's times to hold on. There's times to battle. There's times to fight through. And uh, there's times to get in the fetal position and say, God, you got this because I don't. And uh, both are necessary. Amen. And so uh, thank you guys so much. Um, the fact that I'm up here talking is, is the testimony of the strength of God. I have had no voice for probably two weeks, very weak. And then if I did attempt to talk, I would just, it would throw me into a coughing fit. And so I was able to preach last night without coughing. After the service was over, <laughs> kind of kicked in. So uh, I'm here in weakness, but in God's strength. And he says, when I'm weak, he's strong. And he is strong. And so from, again, the bottom of my heart to, and for my wife and I, thank you so much for your love, care, concern, text, uh, recommendations. Uh, yeah, I think if I would have put everything in my body that, uh, <laughs> that I was being counseled to put in my body, I don't, I, I may be glowing right now, I don't know. <laughs> but thank you all. I know it, for, it was from uh, uh, sincerity and love and care and uh, just so thank you for being the body of Christ, and thank you for upholding us in prayer. I deeply, deeply appreciate it. Thank you all who participated in our giving towards Run to Stop It, being faithful, being at the run, serving at the water station. I mean, it broke my heart not to be there. I was just determined, you know, back, I broke my leg uh, back on August the 7th, and then was, you know, making progress, got out of the boot, and then, you know, just you get hit with stuff that you don't, you know, no one asked for it. You don't know where it always comes from. It just hits, and so kind of the trial hit. And I definitely don't recommend COVID as a diet plan at all. 
uh, it, it's, a, it's a bad one. Don't, don't uh, you know, if you want to lose weight, don't, don't go down that road. It, it's not good. I would say that <clears throat> from a, just if you want a health report, I'm probably at a 55% stamina. Uh, that literally, uh, <clears throat> that's, that's where it's at. Brain fog hits still. Even preparing for this sermon, it was a window that God opened up for me of like five or six hours where I just was able to concentrate, usually about 10, 15 minutes, and then I was, I was gassed. I was wasted. Um, but so God is at work, and thank you. Uh, thank you so much, and thank you for, um, for your love, support. And uh, you ready to get into the Word? Ready for that Word to get into you? Ready for it to get all up in your business? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy, your goodness. We can't say enough good about you. Lord, you are here in this room right now. You're here in the midst of us. And we worship you in spirit and in truth. And now, God, we want to honor you with the teaching and preaching of your word. We want to hear this word, God. We want to receive this word. We want to mix it with faith so that we bear fruit. Our fruit remains and that we glorify you, our Father in heaven. God, we're not going to be able to do this without your grace. Because honestly, Lord, we're often forgetful hearers. It goes in one ear and out the other. And then we get hit by trials and tests and we tend to have it squeezed out of us. But God, we pray that it will go deep. We pray that it will bear fruit. That fruit remains, that you would truly be glorified and honored. We receive this word with thanksgiving and we give you the glory and the praise for it in Jesus' name. All of God's people said Amen. All right, as you know, we're in um, the book of Ephesians. We're going through it um, kind of verse by verse. I, I want to say thank you. This is the first time I've been back in the pulpit, I think, in four weeks. I've lost track of time. Sometimes I didn't know what day it was. Um, I, I believe, uh, you know, it started with uh, uh, lungs. I couldn't, I got sick. Lungs had to step in at the last moment. What a great job he did. He's a wonderful communicator. And then um, we had Benji Nolo from Exodus Cry, uh, and then last week, Pastor Kurt and Jonathan filled in and did a fantastic job, so you get me today, and here we are, and so let's just uh, might do a recap, you know, Ephesians chapter 1, and I want to encourage you, as we go through this book of Ephesians, if you have a literal Bible, uh, you can take, especially in chapter 1, we'll look at it in chapter 2 today too, but the word in is an important word. In Christ, in heavenly places, in the beloved. You know, I preached a sermon months ago about, you know, being near the water and then kind of being, you know, putting your feet in the water and then actually getting in the water and then actually letting the water get into you. And the word in is so important in the scriptures. And God wants us to be in Christ and in the spirit. And then he also wants the spirit in us. And so... Uh, it's, and, and we're, we're grafted into a body. Yes, saved individually, but we are placed in a body. And that's why it's so important for community. That's why it's so important to gather and come together and serve and, and love and exhort and encourage one another. This is all about being connected in the body of Christ. And we learned about... Uh, you know, Paul ended chapter 1 considering that the ultimate experience of God's power was the resurrection of Jesus. That's like the ultimate. <clears throat> now, in chapter 2, he considers 
the implications. All right, so you've accepted Christ. Wonderful. Now what? Now what does that mean? What are you allowing that power to do in your life? Are you being converted? There are people who have accepted Christ. You understand the sinner's prayer. But they've blocked the power of God. The scripture talks about in other places that they have a form of godliness. But deny its power to change them. And that's what some people like to do. They want to get inoculated so they get enough to not get it. That's religion. I'll put God in a box. I'll get him to fit exactly how I think he should operate and do. But I'm not going to allow his power to come in and change my mind or change my life or my lifestyle. And Paul's saying, no, listen, the eyes of your understanding opened that you may know the height, the depth, the breadth, the love of God, that the power of the resurrection might bring a conversion in your life. And people would say, Shazam, who are you? I knew you in college. I knew you in high school. What in the world has happened to you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about this wonderful Savior that I met who transformed me and caused me to be born again. And the old has passed away and the old the old's passed away and the new has become. And I'm becoming a new creation in Christ Jesus. And you can have that happen to you too. Would you like that? See, it's so easy. You don't have to get all... Uh, uh, when you share your testimony, right? you don't have to think, you don't have to have all the answers. You can share your testimony about the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So let's jump right in. First section, I have two main points with, you know, how that goes. So this first section is verses, I think, two, uh, 1 through 11. A life of resurrection. What does it mean? And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Who's the you? Me. Yeah, the, the right answer is me. Okay, if you, all right, I'll help you out here, okay? If, if you have been born again by the Spirit of God, if you've repented of your sins and you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then that you is me. Paul writing to all the Ephesians who had turned to Jesus and now these letters written for us and for our instruction as well, it's talking about me. The idea behind the word trespasses is that we have crossed a line, challenging God's boundaries. How many of you have ever done it? Come on, how many of you have ever challenged the boundaries of God? Like, well, this doesn't apply to me. You know, how many of you have ever told a lie? Come on, as a child, you crossed the line. You Thou shall not. We, can, we got the quiet group this morning, all right? <clears throat> so I'll just, I'll, I'll adapt to my audience here. Okay. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> I can't do it. <clears throat> We're challenging God's boundaries. We trespass, and we've done it willfully. All have sinned, all have come short of the glory of God. We've broken the commands of God either in word, deed, thought, action, haven't we? Anyone here? Not? If you haven't, you're all li you're lying. <laughs> you're deceived. The idea behind the word sins is that we have missed the mark. The perfect standards of God. It's 
the uh, sin is a marksman's term. You missed the bullseye. Yeah, but I got really close. I had all the numbers in the lottery. You sinned. Not by buying a ticket, I'm not saying. You may, you may have not, I don't know. But you missed the mark. I don't care how close you got. You missed it. And we've all missed the mark. No matter how hard we've tried, no matter how good our intentions were, we've all trespassed and we've all sinned. That's the truth of every human being on the planet. You say, not a little baby. Oh, yeah, they threw up on you. They projectiled on you. They're very selfish. Babies are very selfish. Like, if you don't feed them, they will just, they will make your life miserable. Oh, but they're so precious and sweet when they're first born. Yeah. Oh, precious babies. We love them. But they got a little sinful nature. And it starts manifesting around two. <laughs> and uh, honestly, before. I mean, that, like, they'll go into nurseries and bite kids. And they'll have tons of toys around them, and they'll fight over the one that the other child has. Well, what's that about? You. You trained them that way. <laughs> they inherited the Adam and Eve's rebellion. That's what, that's what it is. See, trespasses speaks of a man, uh, Stott, uh, John Stott, the scholar writes, trespasses speak of a man as a rebel. Sins speak of man as a failure. Before God, we are both rebels and failures. That's our condition before Christ. <clears throat> Verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as others. How many of you once used to walk that way? Like, like before I got saved, I thought sin was awesome. Before I gave my life to Christ, I, I mean, there was no conviction. There was no, there was no standard that was established. I mean, eat, drink, and be merry, man. That was the world. Like, if my flesh wanted a hamburger, I'm eating it. If I wanted to get drunk, I'm going to get drunk. I mean, this is the flesh. This is the way of the prince of the power of the air. This is like no real, I mean, I believed in God, but he was there to, you know, take care of my problems and get mad at him when he didn't. I mean, this was my state of mind. I was lost. I was a rebel. And, you know, it just can. No, no born-again experience, so it's like, hey, you know, tip God on a Sunday every now and then. You may throw $2 in the plate because you have to go to church with your mom because she's making you go, whatever. You go through the motions, but that's, that's the world outside of having an encounter with Jesus. And so once walked means it should be different for those who are made alive by Jesus. In other words, if you've truly had someone move into your life, that is the God of heaven and earth who has the power of resurrection, then surely something's going to change. I mean, I got married and things changed for me. Like my home changed, my decor changed. The, the way furniture got arranged got changed. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Like my wife married me and then like she took over that whole area. Like, honey, we're going to have a Harley-Davidson basement theme. 
and I'm the man of the house. You can have your office however you want it. That's it. And then we can close the doors. What happened? A force took over. <laughs> she has much better taste than I do, but I still think my Harley Davidson themed basement would have been awesome. But anyway, it's okay. <clears throat> but Jesus moves in. And he doesn't just move in to placate you in your sin or placate you in your weakness, but no, to bring resurrection power to say, you're not a victim anymore, you're a victor. To, to say, I've come to give you life and life abundantly, and I've come to make you an overcomer. I've, I've come to make you more than a conqueror. So yeah, you're gonna have tests, you're gonna have trials, you're gonna have things hit you that you don't want, that you don't like, but I am in you to overcome them. I am in you by my power to give you life resurrection power. And I'll give you saints and I'll give you Mo, uh, Aaron and hers who will come and lift your hands when you're too weak to hold them up in the midst of the battle. This is the, the word of God. A dead, man feels, uh, a dead man feels comfortable in his coffin. Like this feels good. But if he were to be made alive again, he would instantly feel suffocated and uncomfortable, wouldn't you think? Like, wait a minute. Get me out of here. I don't want this anymore. I'm not dead. I'm alive. There, there would be a strong urge to escape the coffin and leave it behind. In the same way, when we were spiritually dead, we left comfortable. We felt comfortable in trespasses and sins. But having come to new life, we feel we must escape that coffin and leave it behind. This is, a, this is the difference. Like I said before, when I sin before Christ, no issue, no problem. It's like, let's go do it again. <laughs> Like even after throwing up in the toilet. It's like that's how, you know, it's like, well, that was awesome. Let's go do that again. Or guys, let's go camp out like we used to camp out and have some of us roll into the fire. And, and, and our sleeping bags get caught on fire because some of them are too passed out to even know that it's on fire. And we called that fun. <laughs> and I was like, let's go do it again. But when Jesus moved in, Like any little sin was like checked. How I many know what I'm talking about? Like, wow, you've really spoiled this party, God. <laughs> and that's where that sanctification process comes in. It's like, like, wow, you know, I mean, there's a price here. There's a battle now going on. I, I, I know it. There's enmity now. There's my flesh wanting its way and there's a spirit wanting his way. Which one am I going to surrender to? Who am I going to yield to? See, we are no longer under the control of the prince of the power of the air, which refers to Satan. Prince indicates authority, and air is his realm. The air is a way to referring to Satan's environment. See, I've been transferred from the domain of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. And now I don't have to any longer breathe the air of the power of Satan in his environment. I'm not under that air anymore. I'm under a new breath, the breath of God. Because I'm in Christ, seated with him in heavenly places, in the beloved. As believers, we are in Christ. Yeah, come back. As believers, no, yeah, yeah. As believers who are in Christ and his resurrection power, we no longer are alive to Satan's environment, but are seated with Christ in heavenly places. I'm going to say it again. The converts are to be reminded that they have been delivered from as well as what they have been lifted into. 
it's not enough of what you've been delivered from. It's about now what you're into. It's like, I'm into God now. Does that bother you? Does that upset you? I make no apologies for it. He saved my life. He's my king. He's my Lord. He's my savior. He's my friend. He's my everything. He's changed my life. And I'll be with him forever. He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. I am into him. And he's into me. They must be led to look down again into the pit of the grave from which grace called them out and set them free. That's what we do now. From a heavenly place, we go, wow, God, thank you for saving me. I was so selfish. I was so rebellious. I was so deceived. I was so willful. I thought I knew it all. How many of you are glad you're saved? How many of you are glad that God rescued from the pit? Come on now. I am so blessed. Verse 4. Verse 4. I got 22 verses, people. Just hold, hold steady. But God, who is rich in mercy, rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us. Listen to this. Paul explained God's reason behind reconciling man to himself. And these reasons are found totally in God. Why did God reconcile you? Why did God do it? Because it was found in him. Because it's his nature. The reasons are his rich mercy, his rich mercy, and his great love. That's why. That's why he went to the cross for you, for me. Jeremy, think about it. It's his rich mercy, his great love. He wanted you as a son. He wanted you as a son, brother. He wanted me as a son. It's found in God. It's not found in our merit, but in, in God. Isn't it wonderful to know that we're loved by God who's rich in mercy? You know what? If it weren't for his mercies, we'd all be consumed. Like our sin would have just crispy crittered us. But his rich mercy saved us in his great love. That's why I love the word. And that's why I love his word. It's life. It's living. It's inspired by him. It's God breathed. So that we can be washed with the water of the word. And truth can get inside of us and set us free. Every reason for God's mercy and love is found in him. It's not found in you. It's found in me. Because it wasn't in us. If it were in, if it were up to us, we couldn't. But it was found in him. We give him no reason to love us, yet in the greatness of his love, he loves us with that great love anyway. Therefore, we must stop trying to make ourselves lovable to God. Some of you, that bothers. The religious spirit that people get, that bothers him. I want it to bother you if it does. We must pull it down just a bit. I want to read that again. We must stop trying to make ourselves lovable to God and simply receive his great love while recognizing that we are unworthy of it. This is the grace secret of the Christian life. It's the Psalm 46 10. Be still and know that I'm God. Be still and know I've done this. I've done it because I'm rich in mercy and I love you. That's why it's found in me. Selah. Ponder that. Receive it. And get the revelation so then you can respond to lost humanity 
in a more gracious and merciful and loving way. Because those people who are dead in their trespasses and sin were just like you before you were awakened. Verse 5, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. What's in store for you and me? The exceeding riches of his grace. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. God's been so good to me already. I, I, his presence is wonderful. I love the Holy Spirit. I love his movement. Yeah, but there's more to come because he's got exceeding great riches that are still yet to be revealed and come. When we were dead, this, this is when God started loving us. He did not wait until we were lovable. He loved us even when we were dead in trespasses, providing nothing lovable to him. This is a requirement for being saved. You must first be dead, dead to every attempt to justify yourself before God. He who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has passed from death to life. That's good news. That is good news. I'm not trying to earn my way to God. I'm not trying to work my way to God. God has done it all. I am a dead man, but God in his mercy came and made me alive. God in his mercy came and gave me grace to awaken me to grace. Isn't that amazing? Like God came and gave me grace to awaken me to grace so that I might be saved, so that my eyes might be opened. Like he did it all. And he has done it all. And it's all to him, unto him, the king eternal, immortal, invisible. To him, the only wise God, be honor and glory and praise. It's not about me. It's about him. And that's why when we gather, we must make it much about him. And not about what we want. You know, all the divisions, all the strife. Well, I'm a Paul, and I'm a Paulus, and well, I like preaching, and I like deep teaching, and well, I like Maverick City, well, I like Hillsong, and oh, I can't sing Bethel. I mean, you know, all these things like this. No, we, if it was written, uh, if it's 300 years older, older, then it's good. But if it's above that, it's not worth anything. I mean, I've heard, I've heard it all. You can read it all, and I have proclivities, and I have tastes and styles, but no, the body of Christ gathers around Jesus, around Jesus, his lordship, his godship, his mercy, his grace, his love. I mean, seriously, we have got to get back to him. We have to get back to making much of him and less of us and less of our opinion, and our style, and our preference, and more about him. Can I hear an amen? amen? Praise be to God. This is what Ephesians is bringing us into in Christ, with Christ, in the beloved. All about the centrality of Jesus. He made us alive together with Christ. That is what God did to those who were dead in sin. He shared in our death so that we could share in his resurrection life. The old man is crucified, and we are now new creations in Jesus with the old things passing away and all things becoming new. Also note the three verbs Paul can coin to describe what Jesus did. In saving us, he made us alive. 
That's an action word, a verb. He made you alive. Then what did he do? He raised you up. And then what did he do? He seated you with him in heavenly places. Come on now. What a glorious, wonderful gift of salvation we've been given. God did it all. To him be all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Listen, I'm preaching much better than you're amening. I don't know if your amen got turned on, but will you get your phone out and put your Bluetooth on and make sure your amen is connected? <laughs> All right, we declare this belief when we recite the Apostles' Creed. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sits at the right hand of God the Father. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Listen, well... I got confirmed. Well, I got sprinkled. Well, I got baptized. Well, I got filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking tongues. Wonderful. But it didn't save you. It didn't save you. You responded to that stuff. Uh, well, some of it you didn't. You were a baby if you got whatever. Listen, the only way you get saved is not through a ritual and not through a practice, but by Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. It's a work of God. It's a work of grace. It's a gift that no man can boast. You don't get to boast about this. Well, I attend here. I joined the Baptist church. I joined the Methodist church. I joined the no church. Well, I joined the non-denominational church. We're special. Big deal. Good for you. It doesn't save you. It will never save you. Sitting in a building will never save you. It won't transform you. Only the living word of God will. Only receiving Christ will. Only being filled with the spirit and yielding to sanctification and surrender will bring the transformation of his resurrection power. No ritual will ever do that. Thank God for rituals. Thank God for disciplines that remind us and help us. But only Christ saves us, and it's by grace through faith, which we're all gifts of God, lest no man can boast. Can, come on now. This is the gospel truth. For we, verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Paul is compelled to add here that this is the work of God's grace and no way involving man's merit. Our salvation, excuse me, our rescue from spiritual death is God's work done for the undeserving. I don't know, I feel so undeserving to be up here to preach. I feel so undeserving for what God's done in and through saving me. I mean, I had no idea what God, you know, that he would pick me, that he would choose me to preach and teach and, and have a church and travel the world and get to share the gospel and go to Haiti and build homes and be amongst some of the poorest of the poor in India. And I just, only God. But see, this is the work of God. Let no man can boast. It's the work of God. I had no idea God would raise up the rock. I had no idea that God would put on a heart run to stop it and some million dollars or, you know, a million and a half, whatever, would be raised to, like, this is the work of God, folks, that he would gather people who would say, we're in We'll contribute, we'll do our part, we'll pray, we'll run, we'll serve. 
I mean, this is a work of God. You see, for we are his workmanship. God saves us not merely to save us from the wrath we rightly deserve, but also to make something beautiful of us. We are his workmanship, which translates ancient Greek word poema. The idea is that we are his beautiful poem. The Jerusalem Bible translates work, workmanship as a work of art. Listen, Jennifer, God saved you to be a, a poem that he's writing in a work of art. I saved you, Drew, to be a work of art. He saved us individually and then collectively we come together and we become the poem that God's writing here in Kansas City and wherever else we get to influence. Come on out together, collectively, not just individually. It's not just about my individual success. It's just not my about individual purpose. It's about our collective purpose in God. Listen, a million and a half dollars would never have been raised just by me. It would have never happened. But through the work of the collective work of God in each of our lives, yielding to this poem that God's working, together we get to do more than we could do individually. That's the beauty of community. That's the beauty of belonging. And that's the beauty of coming together with causes greater than ourselves. Amen. Oh, to God be the glory. Come on, can we thank him for a moment? Can we thank him for a moment? Like, I hope you get the revelation that you are a work of art and that we are a work of art. And God is writing this poem. And sometimes he has to scratch out some things. Like, oh, that word doesn't quite fit. Oh, we had a blooper here. But God's grace and his mercy comes and allows us to have the blooper. You know, they got these new Pixel 13 or whatever, I don't know. And like if you take a picture and someone tried to photo bomb it, you just get to erase them. Isn't that the beauty of the blood of Christ? Isn't that the beauty of forgiveness? Like, you know what? I just erase you. You don't have to delete you anymore. I just erase you. <laughs> like you never happened. Like you never showed up. I mean, that's what the beauty of God does with us every day as far as our sins as east from the west, he just removes them. He puts them in a sea of forgetfulness as we remain humble and surrender to him. What an amazing God we serve. God's love is transforming love. It meets us right where we are, but when we receive this love, it always takes us where we should be going. Doesn't it? It always takes you where you should be going. Receives you right where you're at. But he says, now go on. I'm gonna require some things. I'm going to help you do it. You're going to take up your cross and you're going to follow me. And you got some bitterness in your heart and you got some resentment. And you're hardened here in this area of your life. You're stubborn in this area. Your mind needs renewed in this area. I want to take you on a journey here. And I'm going to let you let go of that. And you need to forgive. And you need to humble yourself. You need to repent. Because love's going to lead you where you need to be going. Now let my love lead you. And quit resisting me. I love you. My poem is better than yours. Let me write it. Let me write it. Don't be stubborn like a horse or mule that needs a bit and a bridle to get it to go where it needs to go. But tenderize your ear to me and stay close to my heart and listen and follow my voice. And I'll lead you into a life of abundance. I'll lead you into a life of everlasting peace and joy, even though there'll be trial. Even though it'll be crucifixion, I'll be with you. The love of God that saves my soul will also change my life. Point number two. <clears throat> A new humanity. It talks about the implications of the life of the resurrection 
And now he talks about a new humanity. Verse 11, therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ, circle in Christ, in Christ, Jesus, the anointed, Christ the anointed one, the Savior. I'm in Christ. Guys, I'm telling you, in is an important word in the Bible. Not I-N-N, the word in. In Christ Jesus. Get into Christ. Get into Christ. Well, I'm into, no, I'm into Jesus Christ. I'm into him. I don't want to be obnoxious and I don't want to be, you know, uh, overly religious. But you understand what I'm saying? Like I'm rooted and grounded in his love. I'm, I'm in Jesus. With God, God in the world and now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You once Gentiles in the flesh, God's work of reconciliation is not only between God and the individual, though it must begin there, it is also between groups of people that are at odds such as Jews and Gentiles were in the days of Paul. Before coming to Jesus, Gentiles were Christless. John Stott, quoting Hendrickson, says, drop it down just a little bit, Christless, tasteless, friendless, hopeless, and godless. That's what a Gentile was. Pretty, pretty bad commentary, huh? Without Christ, I don't know, who are these people? Who are these people coming up here? It's been a while. Security? Security. Without Christ, there are terrible words. These are terrible words. And the implications of them are the sum of the woeful condition of the lost man or woman. To be without Christ means to be without spiritual blessings, without light, without peace, without rest, without safety, without hope, without a prophet, without a priest or a king. Pretty dire. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. You see, in the temple, in the temple, in between the court of the Gentiles and the court of the women, there was a physical barrier, an actual wall of separation between Jew and Gentiles. You, you see the animosity. You see, they're Jews, we're Gentiles. We can have nothing to do with them, and we want nothing to do with them. I mean, this was the dividing wall. Having abolished, verse 15, in his flesh, the enmity, that is the law commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself, how many new men? One new man from the two, thus making peace. And that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. The source of contention between Jew and Gentile was the fact that the Gentiles did not keep the law. But since Jesus himself fulfilled the law on our behalf, and since he bore the penalty of our failure to keep the law, we are reconciled through the work on the cross, putting to death the source of contention. Come on. Praise be to God. How will we ever come to unity? Only through the blood of Jesus and the cross. That's it.
that is it. Early Christian calls themselves a third race or a new race. Early Christians recognized they were not Jews and they were not Gentiles, but one new man embracing all who are in Jesus. I like what Wood states in his commentary. As Christism explained, it is not that Christ has brought one up to the level of the other, but that he has produced a greater, as if, listen to this, as if one should melt down one statue of silver and another of lead, and the two together should come out gold. Do you see what's happened here? We didn't get raised up to the level of the Jewish people. We got born again into one new man. Christ made us all new creations. Come on, he broke the wall down. The bringing together of Jew and Gentile in Jesus is a partial fulfillment of God's eternal purpose as stated in Ephesians 1.10, that he might gather together in one all things in Christ. God uses the bringing together of Jew and Gentile into the church as a preview of his ultimate work of summing up all things into Jesus Christ. Since he can do this, he can also do that. And that's why there's going to be every kindred, every tribe, and every tongue in heaven. You read about in the book of Revelation that with one voice, whether you were a former Buddhist, Muslim, whatever, you are now in Christ, and Christ gets the honor, and Christ gets the glory, because all things have been summed up in Christ. And at the end, Jesus will hand it all back over to the Father, and it's going to be a wrap. Praise be to God. All right, let's try to land this plane. Now, therefore, you who are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, I am your brother, whether you want me as your brother or not. I am part of your household, whether I want you as part of my household or whether, whether you want me, God pointed us and put us in here and planted us and is building us up into a spiritual house. So love me. Forgive me. Be gracious to me. Be merciful to me. Be patient with me as God is to you. Be that way to me. And let us grow up into him who is the head. Let us grow up into his love, his maturity, his grace, his wisdom, his counsel, his guidance. Yeah, the child will lead us. Amen. Amen coming out of that baby. That baby will be redeemed long before. <laughs> Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, and in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That's why we just come together. Let's come together and before we start arguing about vaccinations and we start complaining about all the chaos and nonsense going on in a fallen world, what do you expect fallen people to do? Anyway, do you not believe the Bible that in the last days that people will go apostate, once having held to the faith and now rejecting it? Why, why are you so surprised at these things? Stop this. Get back into the Word and let's come together in Jesus and let's bring the Spirit in. And let's be the different community. And let's be the Goshen, the land of light. 
so that people come in and don't see us arguing about this stuff, but they see us praising Jesus and maybe they'll fall on their face and say, surely God is in your midst. What must I do to be saved? Come on now. It's time to be the church. It's time to put Jesus at the center and the holy temple that God has called us to be. Paul refers to Christians of the Gentile background. They should not regard themselves as second-class citizens in God's kingdom in any regard. They're not only full citizens, but also full and equal members of God's household. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone literally means at the tip of the angle. It refers to the capstone or binding stone that holds the whole structure together. Often the royal name was inscribed on it. In the east, it was considered to be even more important than the foundation. Here's what this tells me in summation. This tells us that the church is a building perfectly designed by the great architect. It is not a haphazard pile of stones randomly dumped in a field. God arranges the church for his own glory and purposes. And when each of you respond to that purpose, then the body of Christ starts working and functioning together in every joint giving supply. And the hand doesn't say, I have to be the eye. It doesn't have to say, I have to be the feet. The tongue doesn't have to say that I have to be the eyes. Or, but together, we accept our place and our position, and we fulfill our God-given responsibility by loving, by serving, by giving. This is how it works. This tells us that the church is a dwelling place, a place where God lives. It is never to be an empty house. It is virtually a museum with no, living, no one living inside. The church is to be both the living place of God and His people. This tells us that the church is a temple, holy and set apart to God. We serve there as priests. When you come here, you're not here just to receive. You're not here just to hear a sermon. You're here to give praise to God, to be a priest to the Lord, to offer your body as a living sacrifice and to bring your mind and to bring your body into worship. It's called the kabod. I give my kabod to God. I bring weight to this worship experience. That's what I do. I'm a priest unto God. And it tells us that we offer spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices of our lips and hearts are praises to God. Can we all stand and give him praise? Come on, as a living temple of God. God, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. God, your word is true. Your word is alive. And we pray that you'll make it alive in us. God, we pray that we'll be found in you, rooted in you, built up in you. They will have the revelation that we are part of the body of Christ and we are the temple of God, individually and collectively. And that together, God, we are your workmanship and you're writing a poem. I pray, God, for all of us listening by online or here in this room. I pray that each of us will open our heart afresh and anew to the ways of God, to the will of God, to the desire of God, to the love of God, to the mercy of God. I pray that your heart will tenderize and you'll become more sensitive to a voice and surrender so that he can do his work in you and through you, so that he can write that poem, not just here in this moment, but throughout the week, you'll be sensitive to his promptings. You'll be sensitive to his voice. You'll pray the prayers that you are prompted to pray. You'll make the phone calls that you're prompted to make. You'll send the texts and you'll be, you'll be the hand of God and the eyes of God and the ears of God and the love of God in your earth and in your world. I bless you, church. I bless you to be found in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give him all the honor, all the glory, all the praise.